0: That's so what we're going to talk about today: is how to deal with opposition. It's something all of us have to deal with. Uh, some of us, uh, some of you today, are kind of having to deal with it on a, on a deeper level. But let me just welcome you today. We're so glad that you've come to worship the Lord with us at Great Hills. Danny Forshee, the lead pastor here, Brother Stu uh, Stewart was up here earlier, welcoming you guys. And uh, so let me add my welcome. And if you are a guest, a first time guest, and I know we have. Uh, folks like that because I just was able to meet some earlier in your worship guide there's a little registration card if you'd be so kind to fill that out and you can drop it in the offering plate let this be your uh, let this be your gift to us today your offering to us today or uh, after the service my wife and I would love to meet you we'll be meeting in the four-year area and uh, if you would just bring this with you we'll give you one of the books that I've that I've written. We'll give it to you as, as a gift to you. So, God bless you guests. Thank you for being with us today. And so, we are continuing our study in the book of Nehemiah. And last week, as you recall, I was so excited about this message, and I felt like, um, well, I just felt like the Lord said, don't preach that today. And so, we had a We had a good time in the Lord. If you weren't here last week, we had uh, some testimonies, and we just had a a sweet time of worship. But today, we're going to get back into the study of God's Word, and so uh, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 9, and he's going to give us some very practical ways how you and I, even though he lived 2,500 years ago, Nehemiah, the cupbearer who was a person who tasted the wine and the food for King Artaxerxes in 444 B.C., many years ago in another place, Persia. And yet, just through God's Holy Spirit, we can look at this, we can look at this book, we can look at this text, and through God the Holy Spirit, he can, we can just extrapolate truths out of that text and apply them right to our lives and where we are today. Thank you so much for your encouragement as we study this book of Nehemiah. You, you tell me you've been blessed. I know I have been blessed as we study it, as we learn together. So today we're going to talk about dealing with uh, opposition, dealing with uh, discouraging events or people or circumstances that come into our lives. I don't want you to raise your hand, but just, just let me ask you this question. Are you dealing with something today that's just larger than you? It's just prodigious. It's it's almost like larger than life. And there's a temptation to say, God, I think maybe you've even met your match on this one because I am just up against a wall. I'm up against a difficult person at work. I'm having some difficulty at, at my school or in my finances or in my marriage or my job, my employment. And God, I just need a word from you. God, I need you just to open up the heavens and come down and speak to my heart and encourage me. Well, I just want you to know something. You're in the right place. Praise God, you're at the right time. And I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and and help you move out of a place of discouragement and opposition to a place of joy and to a place of victory. You know, sometimes we we get ourselves in trouble because of things that we do that are wrong, and I get that. And we make mistakes, and we commit sins, and we we have to live with the repercussions of that, the ramifications of that. It's almost like we, we invite that upon ourselves. And when we do that, listen, God is still God. He's still a God of grace and mercy. He can forgive us and cleanse us. But sometimes, see if you can relate to this, sometimes we are faced with this impregnable force, this wall of, of difficulty, and we really didn't do anything wrong. And that may be some of you today, you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, you could be you've done everything right, and it's gotten you in a difficult place. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, as he is serving there before the king, Artaxerxes 444 BC, he goes before the king and he says, God has put this on my heart, I've got to go back to my people Uh, Our people are in a desperate way, O king, would you grant me the permission? Would you allow me to leave this very prestigious occupation? I love my vocation. I love being your cupbearer. And it is a a very well-paid job, a blessed job, but I I just can't be here in luxury and in pleasure and, and be blessed when my people are in such a difficult, desperate plight. And so, as we looked a few weeks ago, just kind of bringing you up to speed, kind of where we are in Nehemiah. And so, Artaxerxes says, okay, Nehemiah, I will grant you this. Go back to your people and go do what it is that your God has placed on your heart to do. And so, Nehemiah, you just see the joy. the. Just the, just the spirit of excitement, and so he, he packs up his belongings, and he travels. It takes him about four months to get there as he leaves Persia in the east all the way almost to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, and he lands there in Jerusalem. And man, he's excited. He's ready to do what God wants him to do, and it's almost like immediately, immediately he is faced with difficult people, with hardship, with problems listen with opposing forces that are just it, it looks like it looks like he's just going to be overwhelmed by the avalanche of difficulty and yet we see he ain't done anything wrong he's just doing what God wants him to do and he is faced with serious opposition so you may be here today saying well that's me pastor Danny i I, I feel that way I'm really trying to I'm really trying to take our marriage to a, to a different level and, and let Jesus be the center of our marriage, or I'm, I'm really trying to represent Christ well in my job, or I'm, I'm really trying to be a good neighbor, or I'm, I'm really just trying to reach out and do whatever it is God wants me to do. But it seems like every time I try to do that, I'm just opposed, vehemently opposed. Well, today, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be encouraged. I think as we just read the sacred text, and the Holy Spirit just begins to speak and wash over us with waves of liquid love and encouragement. That's my prayer that God would just lift you up. So let's read the text today. I'm so excited. That's what happens to me when I don't get to preach last week. I just get to preach two hours today. How about, you're, you're good with that, right? Just, just kidding. And so it happened. Oh, but so happens. When Sanballat, Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said, now I want you to notice something in this text. Now, Sanballat, he is an opponent of Nehemiah. I believe he's jealous. I believe he has his eyes on the prize. He wants to be the governor of Jerusalem. And so, he begins to, with great antagonism and indignance and and fury and anger, he's going to pose five diabolical questions that are meant as psychological warfare to try to discourage Nehemiah and all the builders. They're ready. They're, They're ready to work. And here comes the opposing force of Sanballat. You can count them. There are five derogatory, derisive questions. Watch this. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer their sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah, his cohort, his colleague of opposition, comes in, the Ammonite. He's standing beside Sanballat, and he said, no, no, watch this. You, you're talking about just mean. I mean, some people have the gift of meanness. You know what I'm saying? They can just speak these words of this vituperative, uh, you know, just just derogatory. And he comes along and he says, "Well, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall." That's sad. But look what Nehemiah does. Ooh, this is good. Nehemiah. He picks up a stone, he hurls it, and throws it right in the face of Tobiah, bust his head wide open, and just does a little jig. Just says, woo-hoo, God, thank you. That's not what he does. Some of y'all were hoping that's what he would do, you know, but, but he didn't do that, all right? Notice what he does. He prays. He prays. He says, oh, God, hear us, oh, God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, God, for they, God, they're mean. They have provoked you to anger before the builders. Look at verse 6, another great response to opposition. Not only do you pray, but you just keep on. You persevere. So we built the wall. I love that. We kept on building the wall. Hand me another brick. Amen. Here, Here, let's go. And the entire wall was joined together all the way up to half its height. For the people, man, such a powerful text. Listen to this. For the people, they had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashtadites, when they heard that the walls of Jerusalem, when they were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry And all of them. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty encompassing. All, you know, in Hebrew, all. You know what it means? It means all. You know, it's just really profound. All of them, all the conspirators, all the antagonists, all of those with that malevolent, mean spirit. All of them came together, and they were going to attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now, look at verse nine. Just, this tapestry of of prayer and. Perseverance. Opposition comes. How do we respond? We pray. We persevere. We keep going. I love verse nine. Look at this. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. I read just a couple weeks ago about this pastor. His name's Pastor Lee, and Pastor Lee was on the fast track to become an executive in Microsoft. In fact, he was working his way up the ladder. He was doing phenomenally well. He had a a, a high into the six-figure salary, annual salary. He had 16,000 shares of Microsoft, okay? Can you imagine how much money that was? Let let me go ahead and tell you how much money that was. Millions, plural. Millions of dollars. Young guy, young guy on, on his way. doing, And then he said, you know what? I I think God's calling me to preach. And I I, I believe maybe I ought to give this up and surrender to the call of God on my life to be, watch this, a church planter. Can can I tell y'all how much church planters make? It's not much. Okay. It's, It's not millions and it's not up in the six digits. And you know what this guy did? He did exactly that. He said, Lord, I am walking away. When I first read the story, I thought, okay, well, he's walking away from the six-figure income, but he still has the millions of dollars in stock options. I'm just being real with you, okay? I'm just thinking, well, it was a sacrifice, but it wasn't that big, you know, of a sacrifice. Well, guess what? Microsoft said, if you don't stay for a certain amount of time, you're relinquishing that. You're not going to get any of the money from those stock options, and that's exactly what happened. He started making $26,000 a year. Now, I can can just imagine the ridicule. I can imagine the opposition. I can imagine people going to him, have you lost your ever-loving mind to be a pastor, a preacher, a church planner, and you're walking away from all of that? And here's what Pastor Lee said. He said, oh God, would you give me a soul for every one of those stock options I gave up? (laughs) Last I checked, his church is running 6,000 people. And they are just blowing and going. You know, I don't know what it is that God uh, has for you. I was sharing the gospel the other day with a a man just just here, actually out here on our church parking lot. And I began my evangelistic conversation, if you will, with these words. I just said, hey, man, I just want you to know something. And by the way, I encourage y'all to use this. God's not against you. God is for you. God actually loves you. In fact, God created this universe and he desires to have a relationship with you. And some of you here today need to hear that. You need to be encouraged and you need to know that God has placed within you you a dream, a a vision. Uh, Anna, you and Catherine and I were talking earlier at the coffee shop and Catherine's like, God's put this dream in my heart and and, and, and yet I get so discouraged. It's like the enemy just comes and wants to. Hey, listen to me, guys. That's his job. He's very good at it. He loves to discourage you. He loves to depress you. He loves to push you down, but the Holy Spirit of God, he likes to lift you up. He likes to bless you and encourage you and come alongside you and say, with God, all things are, anybody? Possible, right. Okay, so today the text, I I wanna get into it with you and just study uh, just two things. First of all, the reality of opposition. It is real. It is very palpable in this text. You, you can't read Nehemiah chapter 4 and, and not just be going, wow, there are some opposing forces. There are some opponents to the good work that Nehemiah is trying to do. And then secondly, we're just going to look for a few minutes at how to respond. I mean, how do you really respond when your back is against the wall or your opponents are right in your face? How do we How do we get through it? How do we respond? Well, let's walk through the text just a little bit this morning. In verse 1, we looked at Sanballat. He is furious. He's indignant. Can I just say it like this? He is spitting nails mad. He is so angry that Nehemiah has come from the east. He's going to become the governor here in Jerusalem. And Sanballat says, I'm going to do everything in my power. And we read it a moment ago. Those five derogatory derisive questions meant not to encourage I mean these rhetorical questions were not meant to build up Nehemiah whatsoever they were meant to tear him down and, and he has this, uh, Sandballad has this courage about him in my mind's eye I see the army the Samaritan army around him and I see him just kinda taking front and center I kinda think he likes it like that you know anybody like that? just it's all about me God's gift to the world, God's gift to creation. And here I am, and, I, and he just start, He just hurls these insults, and he just begins to rebuke and ask these questions. And then his little colleague comes along, Tobiah. You know, how, he says, even if a little fox, a fox were to trample across your little wall, it would come tumbling down. A fox? How much does a fox weigh? Come on, I mean, a fox weighs a few pounds exactly. This this wall is so feeble. So frail. You, you guys really think y'all going to build this wall? I mean, even if a fox were to go to the top of the wall, it would just come crashing down. And I, I can see Nehemiah and the guys going, you know, I, well, you know, I, that's kind of tough, Lord. I, 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 you can just sense it. And that, that's what they meant it to be. They meant it to be uh, hurtful. You, you know, I, it, to the degree of the possibilities, and the victories will be the commensurate degree of the opposition. If you're trying to do a great thing for God, let let me just go ahead and let you in on something. You're going to be opposed, greatly opposed. If you're trying to build a wall around the perimeter of Jerusalem to say, look what has God has done. We are back in Jerusalem. The temple is being built and we are protecting our nation and, and God is doing a great work again. Let me tell you something, the devil is not going to let that go by easily. Oh, I want to share the gospel with my friends, and I want to live a Christian life. I want to surrender my life to be a pastor or a missionary, or I want to do great things for God. Look out, because you're putting a big old target on your chest. And the devil's going on the radar. Look at there, demons on the radar. There's a church. There's a church trying to do great things for God. Oh, they're trying to change their name to be a radiant church. Well, radiance has to do with reaching out and ma- ma- helping people come to know Jesus. Let's just get them on the radar, and let's just assail them, and let's just, let's just mass the forces and do everything we can to tear them down before they can do a great work for God. Listen, it happens corporately. It happens individually. It happens in our families. Whenever we try to do something good for God, we are going to be greatly opposed. And that's what we see in our text. And you, you read it and you almost get discouraged when you say, well, look at verse 7, that misery loves company. And they all just kind of encircle Nehemiah and his builders. And, and they're just going, yes, all of us, we're here to create confusion, verse 8 says. And you know, I was reading this text a few weeks ago and I was studying it. And, and these couple of words just leapt off of the page to me. And it goes back to... Verse 1, the word furious. In verse 1, the, ver- the word indignant. It said Sanballat was furious. He was indignant that Nehemiah and his colleagues, his band of brothers and sisters, the people of God, the, the anointed of God, they are here to rebuild their wall. And Sanballat was indignant and he was, he was furious. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me do, do you know this has happened before? This, this will happen again? And sure enough, in Acts, I've been reading through the book of Acts in my quiet time, my devotion time. And in Acts chapter 5, I'm going to read this text to you. And you'll see the same vernacular, you'll see the same terminology. Let me paint the picture for you briefly. The early church is exploding. I mean, they're preaching the gospel. People are coming to faith in Christ. Sins are being forgiven. The Holy Spirit of God is coming in. I mean, there's just so much joy, and and it's like a mighty conflagration. It's a fire of God sweeping across Jerusalem, and you think, well, everybody's happy, man, and everything's going great. Well, not everybody's happy, and it's not going to be great because the enemy, boop, 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 on the radar, and he is amassing his unholy hordes, his demonic forces, and they're coming against that church in Jerusalem. But watch what happens. And the high priest rose up, and all of those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in a bodily, physical resurrection, therefore, they were sad, you see. <laughs> Get that, right? Right. You got that. Good, good. Now, what? Oh, same, same, same words. Watch. And they were filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now watch this. Later on in the same chapter, and the the church is saying, Oh God, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33. And when they heard this, they were very same identical words. You know why? Because it's the same identical enemy. It's the devil. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy are the forces of hell. And they get in people like the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Geshems and the Arabs and the Ashdodites and all those other ites and, and isms and coming against and amassing their army. And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. That's exactly what happened in Nehemiah chapter four. They they were angry. They were furious. They were indignant, and they were looking for something to throw at them. And they even threatened that we were going. We are going to inflict upon you, Nehemiah, bodily harm. So you need to back off. You need to take your little band of brothers and sisters, and you need to leave this wall unfinished. Because I'm Sanballat. I'm large and in charge, and I'll rule this place. And I'm. I believe in my heart that he wanted to be the governor. He wanted to be the governor of the most illustrious city in the known world, Jerusalem. The city of Solomon and David and those great kings and Sambal. It's like, I want that. Listen, be careful of people that want what you got. <laughs> be careful of, of the green-eyed monster of envy, and they will go to no, they, they know no limits to the hurt and to the pain they will inflict upon you. But praise God, let me encourage you with this. Mm. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. And I'm so glad for that. I'm grateful to God for that, his promises, amen. As we're dealing with the reality of opposition, let me give you one more good cross-reference. If you're taking notes, write down 2 Corinthians 4, and five. And just recently, I've I've been memorizing this this passage of scripture and it's just talking about how we respond to, to difficulty. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but our weapon tree is mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not stones. They're not ammunition. They're not cannons nuclear bombs. We've got something far greater than that, church. Watch this. We have prayer. Okay? We bow our knees. We can do many things after we pray, but we can do nothing of substance until we pray, okay? So watch what Nehemiah does. I mean, he, he just responds in such a sublime, stellar way. And I know it's 2,500 years, from me, but God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and if God can use Nehemiah and God can use the children of Israel then to do great and mighty and awesome things for him, then then that same God, through the power of the resurrected Christ and the Holy Spirit, ooh, listen, He can do great things through us, through our church, and through our witness, and through our testimony. So number two, the responses. We're just gonna look at how they responded in a little bit of detail. They responded to the opposition, number one, through prayer. And and, and A, pray, you see it in verses four and five. Uh, You you see the inclusive plural pronouns, our, we, in verse four and nine, they're, they're gathered together in unity. And if you can recreate this picture in your mind's eye, I mean th- these guys are ready to work I and mean, they're ready to serve God and build the wall, and yet they're just this cascade of boos just just roaring out of the Sumerians and, and the Geshems and the Arabs and the Tobias and the Sambalites, and they're just like, you can't do it. It's impossible. You'll never build this wall. I mean, look, it's so feeble, it's so frail that even a fox can trot on it and it will come tumbling down. And Nehemiah says, oh God, hear them, God. Hear their taunts and and God, you take care of them. God, you vindicate us. God, you exonerate us. God, you justify us, God. God, you're our only hope. God, you take care of them. That's the best thing he possibly could have done. There's a part of you and there's a part of me that wants to say, well, I just want to lay hands on them, brother, I'd just, I just like to reach out and just grab Sam Ballot by the, by the cheek or by the beard and just give him a piece of my mind. And that's not God's way, that's not God's answer. Our weapons of our warfare are mighty in God they're through prayer. One writer commenting on this text, he says, now the Christian, while he has been shown a, a better answer to evil, We can learn from Nehemiah to look to God, not to himself, for vindication. He was silent under the taunts and not for a moment to accept the world's low estimate of his calling, end of quote. He's going to respond with prayer. Howard Hendricks, wonderful Bible theologian teacher, said this very, very quickly, very succinctly, very powerfully. Where prayer focuses, power falls where prayer focuses the laser of prayer focuses the power of God comes and falls in verse six it's just so good if you're there in your text if you have it again look at it it says and so we prayed and we just kept on (laughs) building the wall because the people had a mind to work I love that little phrase they had a mind to work They, they didn't just talk about work they didn't just dream about work they just didn't debate or parse uh, ergonomics or the ability to work. Praise God, they just worked. Part of their work was to pray, say, "God help us," and then it is Chuck Swindoll in his little book says, "Hand me another brick, hand me another brick, because it is time, it is time to work." Listen, that's that's the best thing that you and I can do. When we're up against opposition, we're up against difficulty, and, and the enemy is, is is large, and it just seems like he's in charge, and we're going to be overwhelmed, and we're just going to. We're just going to to catapult under... I mean, we're we're just going to acquiesce underneath the the boulder to the harsh, the weight, the reality, whatever it is. The best thing we do is we pray and we just keep going, just keep walking, just keep being obedient to what God has told us to do as a church, as your family, as an individual follower of Christ. A few weeks ago when I was running the, the Austin Marathon, very slowly, I might add. It was, I was running it, though. You know, this is still running, okay? <laughs> this, this, this is about all I could get at, at, toward the end. It was just, it was hard. And somebody had a T-shirt on in front of me with a slogan, and I got excited. Now, by the way, you, you run in Austin, you're going to see some strange stuff. <laughs> I mean, there are people out there with pizza and beer for the marathon runners. I'm like... No, thank you, <laughs> you know. Uh, or here, have this or have that. And all kinds of signs and, and, and crazy stuff, you know. Hey, you keep, keep running. If Trump can run, anybody can run. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. He's I mean, just like, <laughs> where, 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 is, where does that come from? You know, I'm just like, but there's this T-shirt. This, this guy, he's running. He's like 12, one o'clock. And here's what he said. Here's what the T-shirt said. He said, let one day... Be today <laughs> let one day be this day well one day I'll run a marathon oh, one day I'll get right with God one day i will to help my marriage or one day over there he said let one day be this day that's what the children of Israel did they said this day is the day the Lord has made we're going to rejoice in it. We're going to pray to Almighty God as if everything depends on Him. And then we're going to work like everything depends on us. And by the way, guys, that is great spiritual coaching. That is great spiritual didactic moments of teaching that you and I can just glean and appreciate. So let me wrap it up today by saying not only do you pray, but you also, you persevere. You see it in verse 6. You see them keep on and persevering and, and working. But look at verse 9 one more time verse 9 says nevertheless and by the way that's just a word of resolve itself we're opposed we're hated people say we're gonna fail nevertheless we made our prayer to God okay number two he's already verses four and five you already prayed to God now he's praying again and because of them because of our enemies we set a watch against them our enemies day and night so they prayed and they acted all right and next week as we as I share this message with you on how to deal with discouragement we're, we're gonna look at how some of those guys would they they would build the wall with one hand and they had their sword in the other hand <laughs> Or they, they were, uh, some of them had their swords in the sheath and they were building the wall and, and they were doing what God wanted them to do but they were using common sense and they were ready to defend themselves and their families, okay? An article in the New York Times written by a man by the name of Sapphire, S-A-F-I-R-E, William Sapphire wrote these words. Oliver Cromwell, in the battle of the Civil War of England in 1642, We believe that Oliver Cromwell is supposed to have been the first person who said these words to his troops, put your trust in God, my boys, but mine to keep your powder dry. And Sapphire goes on to write in this New York Times article, he says, we're not talking about talcum powder, (laughs) we're talking about gunpowder. Gunpowder was his subject, and when the powder is wet, the gun does not go off, and the ammunition just sits there. The attraction of the phrase was its combination of what Bergen Evans called piety and practicality. Piety, pray, but being practical, hold on. Got my weapon here. I'm praying to you, God, but I'm also using common sense. He goes on to say this. The attraction of the phrase, of, the, of its combination was piety and practicality. That combination, combination, was repeated in World War II in the saying and the song. Some of y'all remember this. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. <laughs> Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. You see that it's, it's both ends. It's praying and seeking the Lord, but also persevering in the task. Not being deterred or distracted or not allowing yourself to be dismantled and your courage just wiped away by the enemy or by the enemy's emissaries. Just saying, no, God called me to this. God, I am trusting you. I'm praying to you, but I'm just going to walk on. I'm just going to walk in victory, God. And I'm going to use my my heart. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to be thinking. And God, we're going to trust you for the outcome. You know, in my office, I I have a saying, I have a statement. And it's the same office, same statement that, that Chuck Swindoll has before him. Now, I'm, I'm no Chuck Swindoll, but I do know the opposition. And I do experience, as every pastor does, the, the forces of discouragement. He, he said, I was so discouraged. He, he said, I, honestly, as a pastor, I really didn't know if I was going to make it. And I, I just want you all to know something. If Chuck Swindoll felt that way, I don't have a chance. We don't have a chance. All of us are going to experience this." He said, my wife, Cynthia, came to me one day and she had had created a plaque and she gave it to me as a present. She said, honey, I, I know you're discouraged and I know there are people that hate you and I know it's just part of being a pastor, but I just want you to read this and I hope that it encourages you. And as it would work out, there's a group of guys in our church about six years ago did the same thing for me. They took the same saying they didn't put it on a, on a plaque. They put it on this beautiful piece of wood with a sword on top of it. And it had this little paragraph. I, I wish I could have memorized. I've been memorizing scriptures. so I didn't have time to memorize Teddy Roosevelt. But I want to give it to you, all right? April 23rd, 1911, University of Sorbonne in Paris, France, the man in the arena. Anybody remember this? Hold on a second, let me read it to you. You ready? It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. His face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. He strives valiantly. He errs. He comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails daring greatly? So that, and here's the famous line, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Wow. He's one of my favorite presidents because of things like that, And he lived this, by the way. He stepped out. He did what he thought was the best thing to do, and he was greatly opposed for it. Abraham Lincoln, my favorite president, said this. He said, I don't know the key to success. But I do know the key to failure is trying to please everybody. <laughs> That's the key to failure. But listen, they're in the arena. You're in the arena. Praise God you're in the arena. You got sweat trickling down your brow. Some of you have been grazed by the enemy and you're trickling down a little blood and you're, and you're weary and you're, and you're tired and you said, oh God, please. Help me, oh God. I, I, I feel weak, Lord. I, I, I feel like I'm gonna succumb to temptation. God, I don't wanna dishonor you, God. I wanna honor you. I wanna honor my church. I wanna honor my marriage. God, I wanna do what you want me to do." And some of you are like, man, I'm just, I just feel like I'm gonna be pressed down and I'm gonna be absolutely overcome and opposed. Let me tell you something, no you're not. God is with you. Jesus Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit of God resonated in you. You will be victorious. Same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's a power Nehemiah didn't know about. Come on. It's the power of the resurrected Christ, the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Yeah, Chuck Swindoll's right. It, 90, 100% of life, right? 100%. 10% is what happens to us, 90% is how we respond to it. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf, a Christian neuroscientists uh, neurologists been been reading her I don't agree with all of her, her theology but I've been reading her and studying listening to her and she she said 70 to 90 plus percent of the physical ailments that we encounter are dear to, uh, due to to our minds what we think and the cloudiness and the pervasiveness and we just get focused on the the evil and the depression and and it just weighs us down and and, and finally it just weighs us down to the point that we're emaciated physically and we we find ourselves sick because we're just in this cloud, this funk, in this darkness. And she says, do this. Do this. When that comes upon you and you're opposed like that, she goes, here's what I encourage you to do. Pray and quote the Word of God. I said, wow. He said, man, who, who is that lady saying that? She's a neuroscientist, but more than that, she's a follower of Christ. And she said, I'm telling you, the power is in prayer, and the power is quoting the Word of God. Do not be conformed, she said, to this world. Quote Romans 12, too. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, praise God, that's, that's where the power is. So let, let, me just, let me just close by saying this. It's not an accident that, that you're sitting right here, right, right now. You may be right over here, okay? You may be right here, 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 here. Or you're listening on television, and you're watching this broadcast, or we're live streaming on the Internet. Listen, it doesn't matter. It, you're here. And you're the one, like Nehemiah of old, you, you really... I know you're not perfect. My George, Georgette, your heart is pure. You really want to do the right thing. You know it. God knows it. Help me. Somebody else knows it. And you're on the radar. But at least you're in the arena, right? At least you're willing to step out and say, God, I'll give it up. I'll give the six digits sound. I'll give it all. God, whatever you want me to. <laughs> Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And when you start doing that, I mean, the applause of heaven is coming, and the enemy is amassing the forces of hell, and there's going to be a violent, a violent collision, and yet, and yet, that's really living, okay? That's really living. You're, you're, you're not among the timid souls who know neither joy, elation, the euphoria of victory, or, 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 the, or the harsh hardships of defeat. You're not like that, those timid, but you know it, and you're involved in it. So let me just encourage you with this. You're a follower of Christ. You've got everything you need, man. Ma'am, you've got the Holy Spirit of God within you. Unleash him. Just say, Holy Spirit, take this and pray and seek God and quote Scripture and and, and mount up that arsenal. But if you don't know the Lord and you don't have a relationship with him, let me talk to you just a second here, okay? Because you're wide open. You're wide open to the attacks of the enemy. And by the way, I'm just want to let you know something, let you in on a little secret. His his desire is to kill you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy you, just like these people in Nehemiah chapter four who are seeking To destroy, just like the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, they were seeking with fury and indignation and just vitriol and just this caustic, bitter, biting spirit that is just trying to sap the ever-loving joy of God. It's trying to just take it out of you. Let me tell you something, friend. Let me tell you something very important. Hear hear my heart on this. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's a good day too. Today's a good day to say, okay, God, I can't do this still on my own. I know there's forces piling up against me, but you're greater. Jesus, come on out of heaven and come on into my heart. I want to believe in you today. Oh, I hope many of you will do that. i can say, if you're here or TV or internet, wherever you may be, let let this gospel message resonate in your heart and say, Lord, I can't, but I know you can. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for every person that has come today, and I pray for them. Lord, I pray that you would just set captives free, oh God, those that are bound and hurting. And Lord, some are that way because of their own sin, and and, and Lord, it's the repercussions, and it's the hardship, hard reality that we do reap what we sow, but Lord, help them to realize that they don't have to live in shame, they don't have to live in the pain and the guilt, but God, they can be set free, they can be forgiven. Lord, would you forgive them? May they call upon the name of the Lord even now and be released and be encouraged and be brought into the family of God. And Lord, I do pray for the Nehemiahs and we have many in this city. We have many in this church. And Lord, they're ready to work. God, they're ready to do what you've called them to do. And I, if I could just come alongside them, Lord, and just, just remind them, listen, you can do this. God will help you. Greater is the Holy Spirit of God within you than the enemy without you. And I pray, God, that even today that we would see it, see it again, that prayer, scripture, church, fellowship, all those great, mighty... Those, God, God, those great, mighty weapons that you've given us, and Lord, help us to persevere. Help us to not falter or to faint. And Lord, I do just ask you to bless this invitation as we will stand in a moment. Church, we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And, and, and with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I, I, we're going to do something a little, little different today, and I, I, I want to prepare you for it, okay? I don't want you to be shocked by it. But there's a dear, dear couple in our church that we are really praying for, and they know who they are, and we've, we've invited them to come at the, at the altar He's one of our great deacons, one of our great servants, Bob Gorham. And we've already asked for his permission to share this and say this. We've been diagnosed with a hard, hard diagnosis of cancer. And so Bob's going to come, and his sweet wife Donna's going to come, and our deacons and their wives are going to just come, lay hands on them and pray over them. So when you see that happen, church family, in a moment, don't, don't think something's wrong, okay? Just think something's really right, that this is the people of God, the church of God, the family of God. Listen, that's, that's one of the reasons why. I'm so thrilled to be a part of a church because I have a family. And Bob told me the other day, he said, this is my, this is my family, Pastor. They, these are the people that pray for me. These are the people that I love so much. So Bob and Donna, why don't y'all come on? Deacons, why don't y'all come? And I'm going to lead the church in prayer. And if you're here today and you want, you want somebody to pray for you, you want somebody to encourage you, well, I'm available. Our pastors are available. Our deacons going to be busy. All right, that's okay. Deacons going to be busy. But the pastors and other spiritual counselors will pray for you, we'll help you, okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word of God, for the realness of it, God. The faithfulness of the scriptures, how it speaks. And so, Lord, we pray that lives, Lord, would be transformed this very moment. God, I'm praying that there would be a divine exchange right now. People give their sin, their shame over to you, and Jesus, you'd give them peace and give them love, compassion, and forgiveness. I pray for Bob and Donna, Lord. I love them, and I'm praying for a supernatural work, God, of your grace upon his life. I pray, God, for other people that are here today that are struggling, maybe with cancer. Or maybe, Lord, they're contemplating stepping out in faith, and yet they're so petrified with fear, the icy tentacles of fear wrapped around their zealous heart. And God, I'm praying for them. In the name of Jesus Christ, that you would set them free from fear. For God, you have not given us a spirit of phobia and fear, but you have given us a spirit of power, dunamis, power, and agape, love, and a sound mind. So, Lord, as the church stands and as we pray together, Lord, bless Brother Terry, bless our praise team, as they're gonna be singing and leading us, and a bunch of us, Lord, we're gonna be praying and we're gonna be encouraging one another. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and stand. God bless you. You come. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you today. That's why we're here. God bless you.